chapter five of lincoln the lawyer this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. lincoln the lawyer by frederick trevor hill chapter five lincoln's first argument and his early attitude toward the law lincoln never sought to make himself a general favorite and yet he had not been long in new salem before he was the most popular man in the town doubtless he possessed even in those early years that power of personal magnetism which he afterward exerted so commandingly in the courts and upon all sorts and conditions of men but it is not necessary to insist upon this to explain his immediate favor with the new salemites he could tell a good story make a creditable stump speech give an excellent account of himself in contests of strength and hold his own against all comers in the daily debates at the village forum moreover he listened attentively when other people talked never boasted of his physical prowess and was tolerant of all intelligent opinion his extreme popularity with men of his own age is particularly remarkable however when we remember that he neither drank nor smoked for young men are apt to regard the use of tobacco and stimulants as essential to good fellowship and manly camaraderie and this was especially true of the settler days lincoln was not however a total abstainer in any strict sense of the words he did not drink intoxicants because he did not like them and he did not smoke for a similar reason judge douglas once undertook to ridicule him on this subject what are you a temperance man he inquired sneeringly no drawled lincoln with a smile i'm not a temperance man but i'm temperate in this to wit i don't drink with his elders the young storekeeper found favor for a variety of reasons they soon discovered that he knew more than any of them but never presumed upon it that he was genial and obliging always ready to lend a hand at anything from roofing a barn to rocking a baby and that he was as reliable in business matters as he was in neighborly deeds and kindnesses but perhaps his most winning quality with young and old alike was his sincere belief in his fellow-townsmen and their community local pride never had a more buoyant champion than he for him sangamon county in general and new salem in particular was the promised land and he was confident that the people were equal to the task of developing it according to its needs thus when it was first suggested that the shallow snag-bound sangamon river was navigable and might be made a great highway of commerce he eagerly championed the theory and worked with voice pen and hand to realize a practical result the sagamon is still unnavigable and new salem has disappeared but lincoln's plea for improving the waterway remains as evidence of his sincere belief in the future of the community and to show us what he could do with a weak cause at the age of twenty-one the argument is not remarkable but it is exceedingly interesting and suggestive 
although he was young and boyishly enthusiastic lincoln did not overstate the possibilities nor underestimate the difficulties of his case and despite the really laughable attempt which was afterward made to force the passage of the sagamon there is nothing ludicrous in his plea what he claimed sounds reasonable and what he hoped for possible even in the face of failure this early effort plainly indicates lincoln's natural aptitude for logical statement but it does more than that it displays a trait which few lawyers possess for the ability to present facts clearly concisely and effectively without taking undue advantage of them is a rare legal quality it requires not only ability but courage not only tact but character it is one of the infallible tests which distinguish the legal bravo from the jurist and it will be demonstrated in a future chapter that lincoln fulfilled it in masterful fashion it was in a circular announcing himself a candidate for the state legislature that this sangamon river argument appeared for lincoln encouraged by the goodwill of his new salem friends had decided to make trial of his political fortunes there was therefore a double temptation to indulge in extravagant promises and prophecies he believed in his cause and he wanted to please his constituents and yet there is not a word of exaggeration in the entire address it is quiet frank earnest and simple this circular is important in the history of lincoln's professional career not only because it contains his first argument but also because it records his earliest public comment upon law the evils of usury had been widely discussed throughout the state of illinois for some time and as there was a radical difference of opinion concerning the remedy each candidate was expected to express his views upon the much mooted question exorbitant interest was impoverishing borrowers but it was feared that stringent laws might drive capital altogether out of the country and arrest its development lincoln announced himself as favoring a strict law on the subject despite the objection that a high rate of interest might be preferable in many cases to no loan at all and his answer to this has served to shock more than one of his biographers in cases of extreme necessity he wrote there could always be means found to cheat the law while in all other cases it would have its intended effect i would favor the passage of a law on this subject which might not be very easily evaded let it be such that the labor and difficulty of evading it could only be justified in cases of greatest need this temperate announcement seems very regrettable to certain estimable historians who pull a long face and record their surprise at words which as one of them puts it sound strange enough from a man who in later life showed so profound a reverence for law but the immature lincoln was wiser and more broad-minded than his disapproving admirers he knew that the enforcement of any law depends entirely upon public opinion 
and he was not afraid to admit that evasions of the law were possible and under certain circumstances permissible there was no sham or pretence or hide-bound reverence for law as law in his mental make-up he believed in its spirit and not in its letter it is the shylocks and not the lincolns who pose as the champions of statutes and demand their strict interpretation but the high-minded commentators who censure lincoln's attitude in this matter might have found further evidence of youthful indiscretion in this circular where its author discusses the advisability of a proposed revision of all the state laws considering the great probability that the framers of those laws were wiser than myself he naively remarks i should prefer not meddling with them unless they were attacked by others in which case i should feel it both a privilege and a duty to take that stand which in my view might tend most to the advancement of justice could not this be twisted into an assertion that he might under certain circumstances side with those who assailed the laws a deplorably anarchical statement if law be superior to justice but it is precisely because lincoln never acted upon any such theory that his legal career is noteworthy and exceptional he never surrendered his conscience to a code his sense of justice was never cowed by the tyranny of leading cases and the decision of the highest court in the world never succeeded in convincing him that wrong was right his attitude on this subject was fully explained a few years later in an address delivered before the young men's lyceum at springfield when after urging that reverence for the law should be the political religion of the nation he defined his position in these strangely prophetic words but when i so pressingly urge a strict observance of all laws let me not be understood as saying that there are no bad laws or that grievances may not arise for the redress of which no legal provisions have been made i mean to say no such thing but i do mean to say that although bad laws if they exist should be repealed as soon as possible still while they continue in force for the sake of example they should be religiously observed in any case that may arise as for instance the promulgation of abolitionism one of two propositions is necessarily true that is the thing is right within itself and therefore deserves the protection of all law and all good citizens or it is wrong and therefore proper to be prohibited by legal enactments and in neither case is the interposition of mob law either necessary justifiable or excusable these wonderfully significant sentences were penned before lincoln had reached his maturity before he had actively entered on the practice of the law before the fugitive slave law was an issue and long before the dred scott case was dreamed of we shall have occasion to see that his theories were tested in the most practical manner by the very situation which he invoked as illustration 
and to note in his professional attitude a masterful distinction between bowing to legal authority and submitting tamely to its decrees end of chapter five